0: You're listening to an all new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more.
1: This episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast is brought to you by CollegeCast. At CollegeCast, we empower student voices by helping college students develop their own 10-episode podcast series. Visit CollegeCastPodcast.com or follow at CollegeCastPods on Instagram and Twitter to hear more. Welcome to episode 140 of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Yoris Bryan. Yoris is the founder and CEO of Dexter, an agency that helps entrepreneurs and e-commerce brands increase their margins without spending more on advertising. If you have an e-commerce brand, and let's face it, we all do these days, that you're looking to scale without going broke on advertising costs, then Yoris is the guy you want to contact. Yoris can help you refocus your efforts on what you should be focusing on to further scale your business. Additionally, he can help you to refocus on what he calls the levers, prioritizing what will get you the best results. On this episode, you'll hear us talk a little bit about e-commerce solutions and how you can continue to grow your business without having to find new customers. So basically, we'll be talking about how you can expand on what you currently have and grow the business from there. But you'll also hear us talk about a few things like Yoris's strategies for continuing to grow his business after he and his business partner split up. We'll also talk a little bit about how you can generate new clients in communities by adding value to those communities in a genuine way without having to be pushy or salesy. Here are the self-made strategies of Yoris Bryan. Yoris, pleasure meeting you. Thank you for being on the show. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, how you look at e-commerce traffic to begin with. Because I know you have a different perspective than most people about what you, sh- what people, our listeners, for example, should be focusing on when you're looking to build traffic online.
0: Yeah, so I, I think um, traffic is, I mean, it's essential for a business, uh, for an online business, you need you need traffic. However, I think there's um, too much focus on it sometimes, um, and the what happens traffic in the beginning is sometimes it's it's like easy. Uh, we mainly work with e-commerce companies, so typically what they do is they set up a shopping feed or Google ads and that kind of stuff. And, and, and uh, you're really uh, driving a lot of traffic that is very qualified traffic is eager to buy, ready to buy, and then they try to expand and then add other channels and that kind of stuff. And by the time it becomes harder and harder to do, they're so fixed into that traffic driving mindset um, that they forget there are other levers out there to uh, grow the business. And there's a lot of focus on that traffic and, and it's it's totally, right and good to do that for sure. But don't forget about uh, the other levers to grow. And basically when you look at it, and, and, and we work for e-commerce companies, so I look at it from an online store perspective, but uh, there's only four levers to grow. And there's traffic, there's conversion rate, there's average order value, and there's purchase frequency. So um, the formula basically is your revenue is a result of your traffic times your conversion rate times your average order value times your purchase frequency. Right. So um, that's that's the formula. And what a lot of people do is they focus so heavily on the traffic that they forget about the three other levers and those three other levers. Um, so let me give a simple example. So if you want to double your business, um, most people will look at the traffic side of things and they'll focus heavily on the traffic and they'll try to go, let's say we have a hundred thousand visitors a month. They'll try to take it to 200,000. And in the beginning, it's pretty straightforward and easy by adding a couple of channels and campaigns and that kind of stuff. And, and, but at some point that gets harder and harder to get qualified traffic in um, and, and it gets stuck there. But uh, so doubling that traffic, is not easy to do at some point. Now, if you can 30, get an increase of 30% on the three other levers, you also double your revenue and you don't even have to add that extra traffic at that point. So there's a lot of hidden uh, revenue opportunities by working on what you already have so you have those visitors because you pay for them when, when you have paid traffic um, mm-hmm. uh, running. Then uh, why not try and get a higher conversion rate out of them? Why not try to get more out of those visitors you already have? You already have customers. They're buying from you. You have those transactions. So why not try to get a higher average order value out of it? And you have customers. So why not try and, and make them come back and buy more from you? So it's it's basically a mindset shift where you focus on what you already have and Um, and work with that instead of jumping from one channel or campaign to the next. And obviously it's good to do that, but um, don't forget about the rest. That's basically our philosophy is really focus on on what you already have and and you can double your business with that. So when you're
1: typically looking to work with an organization or an individual who's at any level of an e-commerce business, what you're basically doing is you're coming in and, and helping them to take a look at these other levers that they may not be engaging with pulling on and yeah. helping them to refocus their efforts on that to maximize their, their
0: basically their overall value per acquisition, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So cool. that, that's totally right. That's, that's what we do. We don't really look at traffic side of things. Yes. We might look at traffic in a way that we see traffic coming in through certain channels and we're like, Hey, this is not converting. Why is that? Or they landing on the wrong kind of page, but we look at not really what happens before they enter the site, but, as soon as they enter the site, what happens then? What happens with that customer journey? Um, and I know a lot of digital marketers are so heavily focused on anything that happens before the site and then they dump on the site and their job's done. Uh, and that's where our job begins. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit the opposite of what most digital marketers do.
1: Interesting, no, that's a, that's really, really cool. I, I think it's really interesting that, that you do that with customers and that you just help people to see things outside of the box and kind of avoid the noise as well, right? Because I, I think what your point early on was is you're doing too many things rather than focusing on where you're already generating revenue. And it's okay to pivot and get new product lines or do, you know, whatever, new service lines, new product lines, acquire new customers in different spaces. But if you start to spread yourself too thin and there isn't a centralized sort of core principle you'll confuse your customers at the end of the day and mm-hmm. probably lose your, your existing funnel
0: as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's an analogy with with life. If you focus on what you don't have, you're, you're, you'll always feel miserable. But if you feel happy and, and focus on what you do have, you will be more, more happy. I mean, that's a little bit. I don't. Uh, it's a very woo, Ur- it's,
1: European it's... perspective. You're joining yeah. us from Spain, and you're Belgian, so uh, that's a very yeah. European perspective. But that's cool. That's, I guess so. uh, that's a good yeah, one. I, I,
0: it, it, it is a way to happiness. But I, I mean, that that's just. Uh, let's put that aside. Uh, just from a business point of view, right. um, it's it's just a matter of of trying to get more out of what you already have, and and. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, listeners are entrepreneurs. Right. We're all very impatient. We all suffer from the shiny <laughs> object syndrome. Uh, we always look for the next hack uh, or shortcut. Uh, and and you jump from one thing to the next, and you never really finish something. Or, I mean, it's very easy to start things. And you read a case, study, you read a blog post, you're like, oh, that's cool. Let's try this. And then you start it, and you start 10, 20 dif- different right. uh, initiatives, but you don't finish them. And um, what we do is like, okay, hold on, you have visitors, let's try to make more out of that first. You have <laughs> transactions, let's try and make right. more out of that first, and you have customers, so let's get them, come back and, and buy more from you. So it is like taking a step back, taking a deep breath and working with what you already have. And I think it's it's, it's really important, and um, I feel it's, it, it's very overlooked uh, by, as, as, a, as a growth strategy because it's, it's not sexy, uh, I imagine. Um, But it's very evergreen at the same time. And it's very, very uh, useful. It can get you a lot of um, extra revenue and business, but also extra insights because um, it's by working on those three levers uh, that you get a lot of insights into your users um how they want to buy from you what they want to buy from you what they like what they don't like what they get what they don't get all that kind of stuff you understand a lot better when you focus on on those levers as well so that's also very useful for the rest of your marketing so it's not it's not just in isolation that it works but it 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 feeds back to your campaigns for instance and and your traffic and and just a better understanding of your customers and, and in general
1: yeah, no, that's a great point. Let's talk a little bit about that shiny object syndrome that you you mentioned because I think that's that's an interesting thing that you brought up, and I believe it's true. I couldn't agree with you more. And the interesting thing is, I I work with in in my main business where I'm a lawyer, and I work with mm-hmm. entrepreneurs a lot. And so yeah. when when I'm working with them, it's funny because I'm in the the counselor's position or the advisor's role right and and yeah. I'm trying to help them overcome some challenge some growth problem with their business or or something that's going on and and figure out a strategic way to get to get past that that's that's really what what we do as as counselors yeah. to to entrepreneurs but in our own lives, when we're looking at our own business, it is that way, right? Because I also yeah. I also uh, uh, co-founded a production company. And in that in that role, when we're looking at, you know, okay, how do we target our target audience? How do we present our, our product or service offering in a unique way? How do we consistently add value? What makes us different than the competition? we're We're always, looking at what's the next thing or, or should we pivot now? So for you, you know, what's your, your test that you found to help you be successful with Dexter agency, but maybe also what have you seen in others that's worked well, whether or not you've implemented that yourself?
0: I I think it's not as much for me, it's not as much about like a a test, but more a way of, of working. And I find the Kanban method, I don't know if you're familiar with the Kanban method, but for me, that's, that's a pretty useful to try and not to start too many initiatives at once. So basically what comes down to is you you create a big board and there's a lot of online tools that you can use for that, but um, with different columns and um, you have like a a dump ID column like growth IDs, whatever you want to call it. And then there's a a column like, okay, this is what we're going to work on. Uh, These are the priorities. Then it's a column like, okay, doing this right now Um, and a column that is done. And you you limit yourself to a number of cards on every column. And you say, like, okay, I I should never have more than, let's say, three cards in a column. Um, And only when I can move it to the next, I can move a a card up to the next column. And that helps you keep things at bay a little bit and and really limit um, the amount of initiatives uh, that that you're working on uh, at the same time. I totally get it. For me, it's a lot easier to say to a client, "Hey, you're working on too many things at the same time," than <laughs> look at myself and 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 do that because I'm I'm like them. I'm impatient as well. I'm, right. I I I look at so many things. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I should try that sometime. And but just creating a column, like I, I believe I call it parked growth ideas, and I just park it in there. And whenever I uh, complete an initiative, I'll I'll go look in there. A lot of them are not as cool or promising anymore by the time i get right. there i'm like okay right. not gonna do that i can just already delete it and then i uh, go through them and take the most promising one that I, it still looks promising at that time because sometimes just letting it sit for a week or two is enough to be less enthusiastic about it and see what the flaws could be and just uh, delete it altogether and save a lot of work for yourself your team and uh, that's uh yeah that's a good thing
1: well, it's interesting you brought that up. So uh, I'll share with you a little bit on this show. We've had uh, some awesome guests, of course, and and uh, one of the things I found recently is that a lot of times when you have partners working together, one partner is, for example, the idea person who comes in every day, really excited. You know, let's do this, let's try this, let's try something new, and then you have the other partner who's more that you know, the the brake pedal, if you will, right? Yeah. Like, we can't try that right now. And it's funny that you actually mentioned parking the ideas because they've, they've actually used that analogy. I've heard that from several oh, okay. teams frequently <laughs> to put the ideas in the parking lot and then we come back yeah. to them next quarter once we've gone through some of the stuff that we're working on now. Um, but the, that's really interesting that you bring that up. And so you, when you founded Dexter Agency as well, you started it with a partner, right? So yeah. let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You're, you no longer have that partner. Sure. Uh, yeah. you, you can share as much as you want to or, or <laughs> restrict as much as you want to. I'll leave that to you. But, yeah. but what have you found in that relationship? Was it really successful early on? How did you come together to begin with? And then what eventually led to parting ways? Hey, everyone. It's Tony Lopes of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means a lot to me when you do. Please remember that you can hear a new Self-Made Strategies episode every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts or find us on our YouTube channel by subscribing to Self-Made Strategies on YouTube. If you like what you're hearing and enjoy the show, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy our podcast and share an episode with a friend. It really helps our show to grow. Thanks again. And now back to the show.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it, 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 we we met at a, at a conference and we immediately hit it off and we felt also like, okay, in terms of values, we're at the same uh, same page. And I think that's important as well. You need to share the same values, otherwise it's not going to work out. And um, he had, uh, already experienced, uh, building an agency and he was confident we could like, yeah, grow this thing pretty fast. And, um, so we, I, I was more like the technical expert and mm-hmm. he was more the, um, entrepreneur at the time. I was entrepreneurial as well, but I was still working mostly freelancing and, and not really having that vision of building an agency. So I learned a lot from that. I, I got a lot from that entrepreneurial spirit that he, um, that he has, um, that went okay for a while uh, until we hit a rough patch. Uh, he was responsible for sales and marketing. And he, yeah, n- no new business came in. And obviously in an agency world, you lose a client once in a while. And so we hit a rough patch and and, and he left. Um, so basically first rough patch we hit, he he it was gone. Um, so I was left with the business and I had to think like, okay, sales and marketing, it's up to me now. So how, how am I going to do right. it on top of? The rest of, of my uh, duties already. So, right. and and I think in, in hindsight, um, it was an interesting lesson for me because I learned a lot in terms of, of that again that entrepreneurial mindset uh, that that he has, and um, I learned a lot from him also in, in terms of what can I what can I delegate, uh, like not do it all myself, but who who can do this for me? Um, is this where my highest value is, so mm-hmm. that I can spend more time on. Uh, the highest value activities that i can do um, so that that was really interesting um in in hindsight i, I think i wouldn't immediately work with a partner again um, I, I think there's that stuff that i could have learned from a coach as well um and like the sales and marketing activities that he was doing uh, i could have hired someone to do that okay. and then i i, I would have kept control so but that's because of i i've had a bad experience um and i think There's a lot of entrepreneurs just like me out there who had a bad experience, but there's also people who who make it work and um, who have a great partnership. And I think the main lesson for me maybe was that, first of all, you don't always need a partner. Uh, You can can hire someone sometimes to just fill in certain roles. Um, But um, I'm just getting stuck in my head. <laughs> it was a second lesson that, that I was uh, I was going to say anyway. But so I, I think if you can hire someone uh, to fill that role, um, that's that's really important. Uh, and, and definitely consider that you don't always need a partner. And in the beginning days, it is tempting to uh, bring a partner on board. But yeah, uh, just be very critical. And I remember my accountant saying like, "Ooh, would you do that? So she had has a lot of experience, worked with a lot of uh, companies. And she's like, eh, usually it ends up uh, pretty badly so uh would, wouldn't you hire someone i'm like no 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 no. i'm sure we're on, page, we're on the same page we have the same v- values he, he brings in a ton of expertise and experience and and now i get back what i was going to say is the second lesson for me was he was uh, too invested in his other company so um he wasn't going all in on ours and i was going all in on ours so i, I think if, if that's the case when you're considered a partnership i uh, just make sure that that you talk about that before you start Partnership, because otherwise it's going to be very frustrating. And and, um, and for me, that was uh, something that, in hindsight, I should have I should have mentioned more explicitly early on, and uh, so that we have had clear ground rules uh, about that.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I've had both experiences, really great collaborations and partnerships, and some that just didn't work out. in, in other joint ventures or or endeavors over the years, and usually it does come down to really hyper transparent communication early on, sure. right? Yep. And I think it's in a lot of ways like a marriage where you're coming together in the first several months or a year or whatever, however yeah. long it takes you to hit that really first hard uh, <laughs> lesson, True. right? Which is coming one way or the other. Um, uh, until you get there, you're you're basically experiencing this this joy and lots of enthusiasm and an endorphin rush because everything's new and exciting, shiny object syndrome, right? Yep. New <laughs> new shiny partner, and um, and then all of a sudden when things get tough, that's when 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 it can become difficult uh, for Absolutely. for the partnership to survive.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you get it's it's a great point that you're making about transparency, and I think that's also a problem that we had is is uh, we we work remotely, so we we, we don't have a, an office and um, different countries, and so it, you got to you got to pay extra attention to the communication and and keep each other in the loop, which we didn't do enough, and and on top of that, we're both introverts, so we don't share enough. And, and and so that was it was it was another problem. It's my fault as well because I I should have communicated more uh, as well. So uh, it's it's not just it's because it sounds like I'm blaming no, him, of but, it's, it's no, you. Yeah, but it's It's yeah. just a, it's just just a, it's the two of, of you, and and you have to be very clear and 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 very transparent, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So you you're in Spain, you're running your organization from Spain, you have a lot of American clients, as we talked about before we jumped on the podcast. How do you consistently continue to build your own uh, client list from abroad, uh, from a remote scenario, and and from a distant one? How do you consistently yeah. find new clients for yourself? And, and what are you typically looking for when you're out there trying to build your your own network?
0: Yeah, so I, I invest quite a bit of time on, on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty active there, um, building a little bit more of a personal brand because people want to follow people and, and not necessarily companies. Uh, but obviously, that that siphons through to uh, through the agency. So uh, that's working. Uh, that's working really well, and it's something I've been doing for about a year now, uh, and is uh, is really a good way uh, to get some some leads and. And other than that, we get a lot of referrals and um, uh, current clients who refer other clients, and um, we got a pretty good reputation in, in some of the e-commerce groups out there mm-hmm. as well. Um, which I've, I've, I've been actively helping a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs just for free over over the years, and and, I've, and and that that is paying off as well. Like it's not as tangible as like I do cold outreach and I get. This percentage of, of people responding but it's uh, investing in a community um, and um, just without expecting anything in return and it feels or sounds stupid but it isn't I, I believe in, in karma points probably that i'm I'm uh, I'm winning karma points at, at, and and it comes back one way or another and uh, we get a lot of clients from some certain e-commerce groups that prefer us and uh, because I, I've actively contributed to that community without Expecting anything in return, so um, I tried other stuff as well, like cold outreach and that kind of. But it's just not me. Um, It, it, I feel like it has to be in line with who I am. Otherwise, uh, you will not keep doing it. That's that's important as well. And and it's not gonna. I don't know. It's it. It's not gonna attract the right kind of clients either. Um, And I just. I'm I'm not a cold outreach kind of person. I much rather. Uh, contribute to uh, to community and and help them out and build a build a name and a reputation and, and doing great work for clients and that builds your name and reputation and it's a long term play uh, I am aware of that and most people are looking for those shortcuts to get a lot of clients right now uh, very fast but uh, it I'm, I'm I'm patient in that way. I am patient.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. And and I think you see other uh, thought leaders in the entrepreneurial space mentioning it a lot subtextually, right? I think you're right that people don't pay attention to that part of the conversation when Gary Vee is saying you got to put in your time. You've got to deliver value to communities that you want to be a part of without the expectation of return, which you also pointed out. And I think yeah. that that's really is the key, right? It's that genuine, oh, Yoris is showing up again and Yoris shows up every week or, or every other week and, and he always is happy to contribute or to help or to be involved in projects or he just shows up, right? That's ultimately yeah. at the end of the day. And and then what ends up happening, I think, organically is that people then trust you and say, yeah. oh, you know, you're looking for an e-commerce, uh, someone to help you grow your e-commerce Funnel or whatever you want to call, it, you know, silo, pipeline, yeah. take your pick. Uh, <laughs> Yoris is the guy. He's he shows yeah. up all the time. Give him a call. And I, I think that is a, a very astute point on on your part.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it's it's just I mean, like I've I've written a book as well about uh, um, rate optimization for e-commerce, and it basically it outlines step by step. It's almost like a manual for for what we do in in, in the agency. So What's the name of the can, book so that we can link yeah. to it? kill your conversion killers. Um, and so I, I, I've i given that book away to so many people already. I'm like, you know what, D- just just follow the book step by step and, and and you can do it by yourself. If you can't afford an agency uh, or, or a freelancer to do it, you can you can do this yourself. Just follow the book uh, and, and do it step by step. And that's a way of of giving to the community, but it also I did numerous calls with people that I knew couldn't afford our services, but I was like, look, I'll I'll take the call, I'll see if I can help you out, and and without expecting anything in return, and and some point that that comes back, I guess, and uh, you you build a, you build a reputation because at the end of the day, what I believe in is that when you're on a sales call with people. They don't really think like, is he gonna be able to do the job? Because otherwise, they wouldn't be on a the call. They are just asking themselves like, can I trust him? It? It's I objection
1: trust management. It? Yeah, exactly. It's about trust, exactly.
0: and the best way to uh, to to build trust is is by being not too pushy, not too salesy, and um, and sharing, and and yeah, I mean, get results obviously as well for for clients that helps. But um, I, I I think like being too salesy, too pushy. It's just counterproductive. Exactly right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more.
1: Great advice. Yaris. thank you very much. Really appreciate it. I will uh, also put a link in the show notes to the book. Can people find the book online? Is it available Uh, anywhere? Yeah, I mean, you can buy it on Amazon, but I'm happy to share a, a link where you can download a free PDF. Uh, oh, wonderful. Uh, thank uh, you very much. So yeah. we'll, we'll get that from you. And then we'll post that in the show notes for anyone who's Perfect. listening. If people who are listening want to reach out, they have some questions, they want to have a call with you. What's the best way to contact you?
0: Yeah. So you can email me at yours at dexter.agency or uh, just find me on LinkedIn uh, and connect with me there. Uh, so I'm pretty active uh, over there. Awesome. Yoris, thank you very much. Have a great night. Thank you, Tony. Bye-bye.